Well, good morning. Welcome to those who are joining us on site and those who are joining us online again today. Uh, this week, we're continuing again our series called Experiencing New Life with Jesus. And if you're with us last week, you know that we kind of turned a bit of a corner where we went from the first few weeks of this series where we were defining new life with Jesus and sort of how we can experience that in us, among us, and then beyond us. And we turned that corner last week where we're starting to talk a little bit about some of these milestone moments, these significant experiences or events where you can, it's sort of like, like if you ever go on a journey, you sort of put a pin in a map to track your course on your journey towards your destination, these significant experience, milestone moments. We begin to talk about some of those. And by no means are we trying to fit all of the ways that God could possibly experience those things in you into this series, because that would be a long, long series. <laughs> but we are trying to talk about a few important ones. And a matter of fact, a few common ones where if you ask people to share their testimonies, as we heard a few testimonies last week, these are some common milestones that will show up in many, many people's testimonies. So those are the ones that we're talking about. Last week, if you're with us, we started with a milestone of baptism. This, where people publicly express to others in the church the new life that they have with Jesus in them. And we've heard from a few people in the congregation and even people online who are interested in being baptized. And we're hoping to pull together a baptism service in the near future. So if, if you are thinking about that still, I invite you to come and let me know or let, let Pastor Andrew know. And we would love to get you connected in a conversation about what steps towards baptism would look like. And I just want you to know that talking to us is not the same as committing to going through with it. It just starts with a conversation so we can answer questions you may have, let you know a bit about it, and see where it leads from there. If you miss that service and you want to watch that sermon, you can do so at westmeadows.org, where you can also sign up for baptism. And if you were to watch or to share that message with somebody else, you'll hear that I shared a bit last week about my baptism. And I want to take a moment to share a little bit more with you about how that went today. See, one thing about the baptism that I had is that actually Nadine and I were baptized together. Now, we come from two very different spiritual journeys, very unique testimonies, but we came together and were baptized together at the age of 20, shortly before we got married. And it was actually all pretty typical. We, as I just mentioned, you sort of let the church leadership know you're interested in being baptized, and then they take you to a class or a meeting to have a conversation about that. And so we, we did that, and we had a couple of days between that class and the actual baptism to prepare ourselves for the big day, and then the day arrives. You can hear more about that last week and a few messages prior to that. Actually, I talked a bit more about it as well. And it was all pretty straightforward. We got baptized. We went downstairs, got changed, came back up to the foyer. People were congratulating us, shaking our hands, giving us hugs. Good job, man. Went for lunch at Boston Pizza. It's all over. Pretty typical. It was all done. Or was it? See, because then the next week we came back to church. And next week we came back, and we're sitting in the service, and there was the time in the service where we do the announcements. And then after the announcements, the pastor called out our names. We want to welcome Mark and Edine to come up on the platform here with us. We had no idea why. We had no idea they are going to do this. And what do you do when a pastor calls your name? Like, well, let me just try it. I'll randomly pick one of you and invite you to come up here with me. Let's see. Oh, there's some nervousness in the congregation. I won't do that. I saw some nervous faces, though. And that's how we felt, because we had no idea this was going to happen. And they called us up, and what do you do when they call you up? Well, it will be more awkward to not come up than to go up. So we started heading up, but no one gave us a heads up that this was going to take place. 
And up until this point in my life, whenever somebody in the authority position called my name and told me to go somewhere, it usually was not good. Uh, sorry for the interruption classes, but would Mark Dixon please come to the principal's office again? <laughs> was, was sort of what I was familiar with. <laughs> so I'm thinking, no good can possibly come of this as we head up onto the platform. And I'm also thinking on the way up, it's only been a week, <laughs> and I'm already in trouble. <laughs> what are they going to do when I get up there? So we walk up on the platform, and, and sure enough, it wasn't a huge deal, because the pastor simply wanted to reference our baptism from the week prior, and he reached under his arm with his left hand and pulled out our certificates, our baptismal certificates. And I thought, whew, that's all it is. It's just a formal presentation of the baptism certificate. And as he reached that to us with his left hand, he then extended his right hand and said, we now welcome you with the right hand of fellowship into membership at the church. I had no idea that was going to happen. No one had told me that when I get baptized, I automatically become a member. And I knew even less what that meant, and I knew even less of what was expected of me. And now, now different churches handle membership different ways, and you know... Here at West Meadows, if you do choose to be baptized, you do not automatically become a member. We like to treat that as a separate volitional choice that you can make after your baptism. And I think that's appropriate for a few reasons. One, because in my story, for example, I had no idea that was happening or even what that meant. I just knew this. I was thinking to myself, great, just what I need, another membership. Because <laughs> you're probably like me. And if we were to sit here and brainstorm a little bit, you have a lot of memberships just like I do. For example, we have plenty of memberships too. We have gym memberships and city rec center memberships, community league memberships. All of us have Costco memberships, AMA memberships, Apple TV, Netflix, and Spotfly and Disney TV. We all have memberships too. And it was 1995 when this all took place. So I had a Blockbuster membership that got used fairly often. And of course, we would all have to have a MasterCard membership because membership has privileges. Membership comes with privileges. Well, today, it's the same thing, isn't it? You go into a store, you get to the till, it doesn't matter what you're buying. Groceries, clothes, gas, smoothie, coffee. You get to the till and they ask you, oh, are you part of our VIP discount club? And my common response is, no, I'm not. But there's a very good chance that my wife is. Because Nadine has all the cards for all the stores. It reached a point where she had so many store cards, we had to go buy a separate wallet for store cards, and it was probably about a good three inches thick of all these cards. And then there was good news. An app came out for that called StowCard. If you don't have StowCard but a lot of cards, that was worth the price of admission today on its own. Get StowCard. You can put all your cards into your phone, into an app. It stores them all for you, but there's a catch to have the app and to get the store card, they now ask you for an email, which means they're going to spam your email with all your membership details and all the membership promotions, so we had to go to another step. And we now had to open up a whole new email account for all this spam to go to, and, and you can use this for yourself if you want, or a version of it if you want. So we opened up a new email account that is simply titled, yetanotherstorecard at gmail.com. <laughs> it's the name of our email address. You see, in this world, we are all familiar with membership, or at least we think we are, because we all have had experiences with membership, and that leads to our definition of membership. And like my story, when the church, for example, invites you to consider, would you like to take the right hand of fellowship, we pause for a minute, because the first thing that comes into our mind is, is this like all the other memberships that I have, and do I really need another membership? And this is a really important question for us to talk about right now, because we start to emerge 
from this season of COVID. People are wrestling with questions about what does it look like to re-engage in community? What does it look like to start participating in community again? And that includes community in the church. Now, for some people, we've stayed very active throughout the whole season of COVID. For the past two years, many people have stayed active. And, and, and this opportunity, as Zach just mentioned in the announcements a moment ago, all these new things are starting up again. And they're excited for the opportunities to do even more. And there's a few other people who are a little more challenged by it. Because the opportunities for regular attendance, the opportunities for regular service kind of dried up two years ago, and it's been a long time. And there's this question kind of nagging going, is it really necessary? Do I really need to do this again? And even if I decided that the answer to that question is yes, well then how? How would I re-engage and participate in community once again? Then there's a third challenge. This third challenge that over the last two years with the advent and the growth of our online community is leading to questions about how do churches incorporate our online community, those who are geographically distant but who have become relationally close. How do we incorporate that? So this is a very timely topic for us to be looking at. And I think it's important for us to not only define what it means to participate in community or or to be a member of a church, and not only important to find our place in the midst of that, but biblically speaking, making a commitment to a local church, I believe, is a milestone moment that followers of Jesus are called to. Because when we make that commitment to a local body of believers, we can experience new life with Jesus among the people of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's one of the milestone ways that we can experience new life with Jesus among the people of Jesus. So to help us understand what I'm talking about here, I want to make sure we're clear on our definition of church. Okay, Because when we say that word, and it's not so prominent within the people who might be gathered here with us today, but especially in society, if you say the word church, the first thing that comes to many people's minds is about a location or about a place. And now it's true that most, if not all churches, do have a location and a place. For example, West Meadows is at 9333 199th Street. And online, our address is westmeadows.org. But all of these addresses and locations in place, while they are valid and true, are secondary to what we need to understand about the church. Because if the church is simply a location, if this church is simply a place, then participation in the church could very easily look like our gym membership. And how many of us have ever had a gym membership? How many of us have never used that gym membership? How many simply had a gym membership to have guilt and obligation? cast upon them. (laughs) That's not what we want to be associated with when we think about membership. Now, there's a few metaphors that we find in the Bible that talk about how we understand the church. And if you're part of one of our Beyond the Message teams that meet, or, or groups that meet throughout the week, you can dive into a few different definitions and metaphors of the church. But the one I want to focus upon for some time today is understanding the church as the body of Christ. Now, when we see the word body, this is one of those words, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's going to have a long entry. Because the word body can mean lots of things. It can refer to the main part of a plant or an animal. It can refer to a body of water. It can refer to like the fullness and richness of a good wine. But the definition that we want to focus on for our purposes today is a group of people who are organized for a purpose. A group of people who are organized for a purpose. That's the closest of what we're trying to talk about here today. 
And we actually see this understanding in Romans 12, verse 5, where, where Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he, and he says, In Christ Jesus, we, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And in this verse, we see this beautiful reminder that, that, that all of us possess beautiful uniquenesses. We have different skills and abilities and backgrounds. For some of us, for example, have all these differences, but we use them for the purpose of, of uniting and serving one another, not for the purpose of dividing and being divisive. For example, if you have a, a, a gift of music, you could be on a worship team within the church. If you are having a, uh, sort of an extroverted personality, you could serve on one of our welcome teams. If you're handy, join one of the fix-it teams. If you serve coffee, if you want to serve people, we need people to be on our coffee teams. If you have the unique spiritual gift, if you have the unique ability to eat pie and work one day a week, you might be called to be a pastor. It, it's, it's a spiritual gift that Andrew and I possess and we talked about it, though, and it's actually not pie in one day a week. It's, it's, we actually prefer sour gummies and Indian food, right? Is that what we decided? At the same time. At the, not at the same time. No. Not at the same time. But we have the spiritual gift of eating and working one day a week. That's what it's called to be a pastor, apparently. But here's the thing. As the diversity of the body increases within the local church, we start to look like the mosaic of God's kingdom. We start to look like the mosaic of the kingdom of God that's sometimes referred to as the universal church. This universal church, meaning all believers of all time, from all places, joined together in one common faith in Jesus Christ. And the church, therefore, is a group of saved individuals joined together for the same purpose. A group of saved individuals joined together by the common source of salvation for the purpose of that salvation. In Colossians 1.18, we read that the head of this church... That over the head of this is Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is what unifies. Jesus Christ is the purpose and the source of our salvation that unifies us. And that in him, everything has supremacy. Because he is the head of the church. And he alone is worthy to have that position. Because he alone entered into this world and took on a physical body that was prepared for him. And in that body, he clearly, tangibly, boldly demonstrated God's love for all people, especially through his sacrificial death upon the cross and his victorious resurrection, which we'll celebrate in a few weeks at Easter. And after his resurrection, he then gathered his followers together. Those followers he gathered together who would very soon constitute the first local church and as he ascended into heaven, he said, go, go in my name, go in my power, go and continue the work that I began. And he charged them, he charged the church to be his representatives in the world, to be those who would continue the work of demonstrating God's truth, grace, and love for all people. And this is not something that they just heard about for the first time as he ascended and passed the torch to them. He had been preparing them for this, his entire ministry among them. We can go all the way back to Matthew chapter 5 and, and where we read this, where Jesus gathered his followers in front of him and those who would come to be his followers. And he said to them, you are the light of the world. You are, like a, you are, you are a, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. So let your light shine. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. They may see your good works and they would glorify God in heaven because of them. 
You see, God so loved us that he made a way for us in Jesus to have new life in him now and forevermore. And when we accept that, it ignites this light inside of us that shines bright among all people around us. And from this desire to fulfill this understanding of what it means to be the church, a people brought together of common salvation from a common source of salvation who gave us a mission to go reveal that to the world, from a desire to authentically share that, and that love and grace with others, that is the reason we as the body of Christ here at West Meadows do things like the food bank, like our parents' group. We do things like partnering with our daycare. Like having our community events and our community garden that pulls people together. Why? Because we want them to experience Jesus. It's one of our values. One of our values is, is kind of couched in this understanding of what I've been talking about here is we want people to experience Jesus for themselves. How do we do that? We weave Jesus into our stories so that others experience him through us. I know there are some that are here possibly today and some who are joining us online some who join us at groups throughout the week, where they've told us that it's through these efforts to invite them to experience Jesus, where they've encountered the people of West Meadows who have Jesus woven into their stories, that through those experiences, they have had a sense of belonging among us and with Jesus. You see, the body of Christ doesn't just shine bright into the world. The body, the local body here as well, also is here to offer support, encouragement, and community within the body. You know, a few years ago, I, I told the story of some friends of ours at a church I served at previously whose house caught on fire in the middle of the night. And, and not only were they in this moment of incredible panic, as at 3 a.m. they had to gather a couple quick belongings and their newborn baby and run out of the house and stand on the street and watch the entire complex go up in just an inferno. But they then had to wrestle with the question of who do we call? And the answer to that question came to them very quickly because they called their life group. They called people that were in their life group within their church. And those people in that group, they got up, they got dressed, they went over there, and they showed up. They brought coffee, and they brought blankets, and they brought friendship, and they brought prayer. And they took these people back to their home and gave them beds to sleep in and gave them clothes to wear and gave them resources that they were losing. And, and as I told this story a couple years ago, I, I completely unintentionally, it led to a bit of a phrase that I've heard over the last couple years here at West Meadows where people ask each other, who are your 3 a.m. people? I've heard people say to other people, you're my 3 a.m. person, in reference back to this story that, that there's this connection that exists, that, that, that the body of Christ is here to serve. And why would we do that? Because we're family. Because we're family. We're united as the church. So what makes the church different than the gym? What makes membership here different than membership at the gym? Only the church is the body of Christ. And only in the church is that where we can experience new life with Jesus among the people of Jesus. Among those who are committed to doing the work of Jesus. Now, as I talk about that, it might give you the sense of kind of these warm, fuzzy feelings. Of, yeah, that's, that's that warm closeness, that friendliness, that, those associations for lifelong relationships. And I, and I hope you've had those experiences. But, but I wouldn't be completely honest if, if I didn't also mention that that's not the experience everyone has had within the body of Christ. Some people have had different experiences that are a little more painful. Because just like our own physical bodies, 
Sometimes the body of Christ, the, the church, is guilty of causing injury to other people through harsh and uncaring interactions. Sometimes the body is injured by others through rejection and mocking and persecution and just a general disdain. And sometimes the body also doesn't do a good job of practicing self-care and, and, and is content to simply consume religion without exercising relationship in its context. And I'm sure at one time all of us have, have done this where we, we kind of look in the mirror at our bodies and, and I know there's a variety of thoughts that we have as we do that. As we think of that example, I'm sure there are moments when Jesus looks at his body and he's kind of disappointed on how it looks and how it works in the world as well. But as a church and a pastor, I've lived through all these sorts of things. And I've served through many of them as well. And I know some people who are here with us too have had some challenges in the past with different churches. You've seen and you've felt the pain of the body of Christ not serving and working the way that it should. You've had these moments of rejection. You, you felt alone when you wanted to feel supported. You felt relationships torn by leadership failures and divisions that happen. This happens. And when it happens, some people are able to muster and press on. Other times, a few people will fall away. But one thing that happens often, and this is in my experience one of the most painful and difficult things, is that when, when the body doesn't serve the body well and these sorts of negative experiences take place, is that it becomes common for people to put up barriers, to start to isolate a little bit. And they start to adopt a philosophy along the lines of, you know, I still love Jesus, but I can't stand his body. I can't stand his church. And so they try to do it as a solo mission. They try to just, just me and Jesus, that's all I need. Just me and Jesus will walk through life together and we'll be just fine. And I understand this perspective, I do. I, I've lived through it, I've, I've wrestled with it at times, and I've, I've considered adopting it, which is hard to do when you're a pastor. So it's, 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 I understand this from the past in these difficult times. But I feel this need to encourage people to, to lead them to heal from it. You see, the church will always be made up of imperfect people. And that means that the church will in some way, in some fashion, at some point, let all of us down. Because we're all made up of imperfect people. But I still firmly believe That new life with Jesus is designed to be experienced among the people of Jesus. And sometimes it calls for a courageous community to work together and and to to go through some of these difficult times together. And to choose courageous community to pull together as opposed to separate and try the solo mission. And one of the areas that I think we see this in the words and the example of Jesus is is in the book of Acts, actually. Where there's one, one example I want to walk us through it quickly where I think we see this idea where he identifies himself so closely with the church that it's not possible to separate the two of them. And the place I'm speaking of here is in the early years of when the ter- first church was formed. And the church was under heavy, heavy persecution. In the book of Acts in, in chapter 9, for example, we read about Saul, who had come to be known as, as Paul following this encounter. And the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 1, we read this. It's that Paul, or Saul, was breathing murderous threats against the Lord's people. And in this time of persecution at the hands of Saul, he was on his way to dismantle the church in Damascus. And as he's on his way on the road to Damascus, there is this flash of light around him that, that knocks him to the ground. 
And, and when this happens, you would, you would think if you were there that you had been attacked, that somebody had, had hit you upside the head or something, and you're seeing stars, everything's gone white, and you're, you're face down on all fours on the ground. You would think that somebody had just attacked you, that struck you to the ground. And as he's there trying to get his senses about him, he hears this voice that says, why are you persecuting me? Paul's response as he tries to gain his composure, verse 5, is, well, who are you, Lord? Or, or more accurately, who are you, sir? The voice comes back and says, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, Saul didn't believe in Jesus. As far as Saul's concerned, Jesus was dead and gone. He wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting people who were hanging on to the idea of Jesus, the followers of Jesus. But in this encounter, Jesus informs him and he informs us that when you mess with them, you mess with me. Because there is no distinction between the head and the body. It is unified under the authority of Jesus Christ. And if you are persecuting the church, you are persecuting Christ. The two are not inseparable. And we can have confidence in this as we, as we seek to live out the hope of the new life that we have in Jesus and the world around us. But we can also see in this an inherent call to experience new life with Jesus among the people of Jesus. Because the two are not separable. And Saul seemed to understand this. Because later on, he would go out after this encounter when his name was changed to, became Paul. And he would start planting churches and training up church leaders throughout all of the known world. And as he established churches in all these different areas, he would then start to write letters to them. And we find in our New Testament that there are 13 letters that that Paul wrote to these churches and to these leaders that make up a large portion of our New Testament. And one of the things that we find repeatedly in these letters he wrote to these uh, these churches is the use of the word alalon. And the word alalon means mutual or one another. And out of the hundred times that this word shows up in the New Testament, 60 of them are attributed to Paul. As Paul's writing to the churches on how they are to relate to one another. How they are to relate in a manner that would avoid the life-stealing experiences that cause injury. To avoid the life-stealing experiences that divide and lead people to choose a solo mission. And instead of having those experiences, he says, I, I direct you, I command you to interact and relate with one another through things like love. And caring for people, receiving people, honor them, serve them, forgive them, motivate them, encourage them, comfort them, pray for them. Confess your sins to them. Teach them. Show kindness to them. He continues and he says you should give to them, rejoice with them, weep with them, hurt with them, pray with them, and restore them. We get the sense of calling together under the headship of Christ to bring it together, not to separate it. And that's just a sampling of the 60 examples of the words that Paul uses to to say to be together. And as we look at this list of the one another's that exist in the Apostle Paul's writings, I truly hope that all of you have had personal experiences with this form of new life among the people of Jesus here at West Meadows. Because in my experience over the last six years, I have come to see that so many of you beautifully exemplify all of these commands. Or, you know, all of you, some of these commands, not all of them, but some of these commands. And because of experiences amongst the people here, I am humbled and honored to be a pastor here at West Meadows. Your dedication and your service to to these sorts of things is a blessing to so many within the body and beyond in the community. And it's a testament of God's truth, grace, and love for all people as well. And if you have been a part of us for a while now, 
I want to ask you to consider if you have had these sorts of experiences too, or if you want to be a part of helping us to continue with these sorts of experiences, to formalize that, formalize that commitment through the act of membership. And, and I hope that you'll consider after today a bit of a different definition of that they may have had when you first came in. And come to understand that this is sort of a milestone commitment that people who are followers in Christ make amongst a body of believers of Christ. Now, you don't have to be a member to participate and to serve in all these things. In fact, if you're not ready for that commitment yet, we still encourage you to be a part of us and to continue to grow and to serve many people among us. It's such a beautiful way to grow in your relationship with God and with us. I also know that there are many people here who are new, who have been with us just for you know, a few weeks or a few months at this point, and you're probably not ready to make that commitment, and that's totally okay. I have a suggestion for you as well. If you are newer among us, instead of considering making that commitment to us, I ask you to consider dating us for a little while. I, honestly, I actually want you to date us because I'm not sure we want to marry you either yet. So, so we should go through this time of dating because there might be some stuff that you want to learn about us first. Like, you may not realize how many Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans there are here. Yeah, see? Yeah, good or bad. They're a mixed crowd. You may not fully understand my position on cats. Good or bad. Yeah, see? And quite honestly, I would feel more comfortable once I understood your opinion on raisins and stuffing. So these things need to be understood. Before, if you've been here for a while, you understand all of those references. <laughs> We've got to be around it. We've got to date for a while. We'll get to know each other a little bit. But you will eventually reach this point if you get involved and date us for a little bit. You'll find this point where you'll know it's time to move to the next step. Just like I learned it was time to move to the next step on a beautiful fall day in 1984 when Nadine sat me down at a booth at the BX Pub in Prince George. In a well-thought-out, logical, passionate, convincing tone, she clearly explained to me it was time for us to stop dating and move to the next step. 28 later, apparently she was right. <laughs> in that. Well, so too, you would know when it's time to move to the next step for you as well. But then lastly, if you are joining us online, if that is the main way that you connect with us, we'd love that you're here. And West Meadows at Home is not going away. It is here to stay. We're going to continue to invest in that because this new community in this post-COVID reality is going to continue to be something we have to understand and wrestle with. And we know that it is ministering to many, many people within Edmonton and beyond who are geographically distant but relationally have become close to us. And each and every week we engage with, with people of a variety of situations who if it wasn't for the online ministries would not be able to attend in this fellowship with us. There are those who are housebound. Who, who due to physical limitations or, or health concerns, those who due to challenges in a particular season of life are not able to physically be here with us. And yet over the last two years, we've come to know so many of those people and, and we've come to see them grow in their relationship with Christ and their relationship with us. And ever since we started tracking some of these things back in April of 2020, did you know that we have had 56 people say yes to Jesus through our online ministry alone? 56 people through our online ministry alone, and many, many more who have taken steps of a deeper walk with Jesus, not just made a first-time commitment. And some of those people who, who have taken a deeper walk are remaining anonymous. And we understand the necessity of that right now as well that the online ministry provides. Because we understand that some people need West Meadows at Home as that first step into a relationship with Christ. You see, the initial contact with a church nowadays from people who are looking to re-engage or people from a community who are looking to attend a church is not through the front door of the church. 
the initial way that people learn about a church is through online ministries. Because walking through the front of our church is intimidating. If you've never done it before, if you're from an unchurched background, it is intimidating. Online ministry becomes that front door for people to come into a relationship with us and then be invited to walk through the front door. And as I mentioned earlier, there are also those who have been injured by the church in the past and they want to continue to grow in their relationship with Christ, but they're not sure they want to put themselves fully out there yet. And in those situations, this gives them an opportunity to get to know us and to grow in their trust of us. And if that's where you find yourself, I so look forward to the one time in the future when we can meet each other in person. That'd be a beautiful thing. Because online ministry and online apps are so common nowadays, but even the best online apps, for example, the best online dating apps, eventually move to in-person meetings. And so we look forward to when that happens amongst those who join us through West Meadows at Home. Whatever your situation may be, I just want to encourage you to continue to join us worshiping and learning and growing with Christ, whether it be on-site or whether it be online, so that the body of Christ here at West Meadows can be people who are joined together by the common grace of Jesus Christ, striving to be on mission for Jesus Christ and able to experience new life in Christ among the people of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well. As we come to the end of that, we have an opportunity now for response. And it, it just seems perfectly fitting that the way we can respond at this time in our service is by coming together for communion. And as the worship team comes to join me on the platform here, I want to invite you to, if you haven't received your communion elements when you came in, you can just kind of shoot a hand up and one of the ushers will bring that to you. But communion is this opportunity that we as the church, here the local church, gather together. And sometimes we have a limited view of just seeing the local church gather together for communion, but, but we know that so often on the first Sunday of the month that churches around the world, people gather together for the purpose of communion. So to a great extent, it's not just the local church, it's the local churches, it's, 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 the, it's the living universal church that reflects upon these things right now with us as well. And we are gathered together here today as the body of Christ, as a group of saved individuals joined together by the common source of that salvation to remember the act that made it all possible. And this is both a blessing and a fellowship for us to do this in obedience to Jesus Christ. When we say it's a blessing, it's a blessing because regardless of what's happening in your life right now, regardless of the choices you may have made in the past that somehow brought you to this point in this place today, we have this opportunity to turn our hearts and our minds to Jesus and to celebrate and to remember that through his sacrifice and through his victory, we too can experience new life and victory in this life and the life to come. And the way that that is made possible is represented by the elements on the table, that the bread, which is symbolic of Jesus' body, in which he lived and ministered and ultimately offered up as a sacrifice in our place. And the cup, which is symbolic of his blood, which was poured out to cover the sins of many. That as he gave his life for us, He invites us to give our life to him and to live a new life with him because it's in him that we can find forgiveness and it's in him we can find restoration. It's in him we can find that new life. And so as we gather together around the table, it's an opportunity for us to to confess if we've wandered from that or if if we've turned to our own things instead of turning to him. It's also an opportunity to our walk if we've wandered from the path with him. And to find that new life in him that draws us amongst his people. Which is why this is also an opportunity for fellowship. 
It's not an accident that the communion word is similar to community. There's a fellowship that takes place as we receive Christ and are placed into the body of Christ and we continue to grow in his knowledge of each other and him. And so I just ask, if if you were with us and you were injured in the past, I invite you to come to the table, to come and find healing, to come and join in the body of Christ, the community of people, to remember the common source that binds us together. If you're one who has wandered from, from the faith for a while, just Jesus and me, I also invite you to come and to join us in the celebration of fellowship. It's remember that, yes, we're bound together in Christ, but to experience that new life amongst the people of Christ. And let's celebrate that together, not individually. To remember Jesus and his sacrifice, this act of love, this act of grace, this act of mercy that made it possible for us to be the body. And so in this time, we prepare our hearts and our minds. And then I'll come back and we will take the elements as we say thank you, Jesus, for being the source of our salvation, for being the source of new life, for the source of the unity upon which we stand.